no problem. Uh, well, I was, we're having a big Labor Day thing in, out at, at my house, and so I started cleaning up, and she was watching, and she saw me mowing and trimming and edging, and she was, let me help, let me help. And I said, no, no, no. Let me help. No, no, no. Yesterday, I said, it's time to help. She cooked for four hours. I have every curry there is waiting for me when I go home. So we will not go long in this service. Uh, it's one of my favorite, favorite meals is uh, Indian. I love buna lamb and, oh, curries. <laughs> I didn't do this on hamburgers and french fries. <laughs> this is good food. Okay. <laughs> you know, if you're going to go, go with the best. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about this entire month, freedom, and being the first Sunday of the month, I get to, it's wide open. So if you're the last one in the month, everyone has preached your message. And it's like, if you get to the last one, you're going, is there anything left to talk about? But freedom is huge. And I'm going to go with the most obvious part uh, of freedom. The, one of the things uh, that we have to deal with is what freedom? Because there's different types of freedom. As you can see this verse here that we know, John 30, uh, 8, 36, it says, if therefore the Son shall set you free, ye shall be free indeed. So if the Son sets you free, you know, you're free indeed. But there's different types of freedom. But here it's very specific. It doesn't say if God sets you free, if your good deeds set you free. It says the Son. And when it says the Son, it's referring to the blood of Christ, the blood that was shed on the cross... To redeem us, to help have us escape that which has captured us. For instance, let me tell you two different types of freedom. If someone has robbed a bank, let's say you've robbed a bank, and you get caught, you're convicted, and they're sending you off to prison, and during the exchange, you escape from the car, and you are free. But this is the freedom that you have. You're free conditionally, aren't you? You're free in that situation as long as the police don't have you. So there's freedom, and then there's free indeed. So this verse is really going to be speaking to us. It says, you know what? You can be free, but if Jesus sets you free, if it's his blood that sets you free, boom, you're free indeed. We need to find out why, how. How do I take a hold of that? Because there's many in the church that though they accepted the Lord, there are things that still have them or things that they've walked into, situation, and it grabs them. And then you're going, oh, I love the Lord. And you're free here, but then you go to work. And you know you've done something wrong there. You haven't been found out. Are you free there? You're looking around. I'm free as long as I don't get caught. 
you've done something in your household, you've done something on the internet, you've purchased something, you've lied to someone, you're free? Yeah, but not indeed. Because there's an environment you walk into and you're looking around. And as long as that thing doesn't show up, you're free. So it's conditional freedom. But the, the, the verse is very clear. It says, if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. So we're going to, we're going to examine that. How do we take hold of that? Those of us who are in the church and we claim that we're free, but you know you're looking over your shoulder somewhere. So we're going to be hitting in little, de- uh, little details, and you, we, we need to also understand that <clears throat> it's a battle. Next week, something could come on you, and you're going to need to know how to deal with it. And I've got a little clip I want to show, but he says, it's a famous clip. Many of you will recognize it. If we could have William, we have another William with us today. And I, I am William Wallace. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men. And free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. I'm dying in your beds many years from now. Would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives? But they'll never take our freedom! Apologize first for anyone who is Scottish here for that horrible Scottish accent. <laughs> to American standard, oh, that's really Scottish to a Scot going, who is that? What is that? Uh, you know what? I want to make the same claim, the same charge to the church. Run and you'll live another day. Don't stand up to a lie, run away from it, and you'll live another day. You'll have your job another day. You may date that person another day. But it would be nice to be able to, at the end of our life, to say, you know what, I lived as a free man and a free woman. Because I didn't allow any of these things. I didn't continue to live a lie, to hide, to allow this thing to control me all my life. To not be able to love and to give, to forgive 
to experience laughter because I was always looking over my shoulder. I want to be able to say, you know, I lived a free man and a free woman. And that's what this verse is trying to get across to us, that there is a way. But it's, that, that there's a pattern, there's a process to live free. There is a price to live free. And the Bible's going to, to, to reveal that to us. But I, want to, I, I really want to, to, to speak to those of us who are looking over our shoulder. See, this verse is going to tell us how we speak to people who are in captivity. In the church, out of the church. Saved, not saved. There are people who are living in captivity. And last week I mentioned this, that nowhere in the Bible does it say that God loves angels. He created angels. It says angels are, are his hand. That he made them. It's, he doesn't love plants. He doesn't love anim, uh, animals. He made them. They're his handiwork. But it says over and over again that God loves man. Why does he love man? Here's what I believe to be what the, the Bible tells us. is that he made man in his image. And his image, as he looks down at earth, is living on the, under the tyranny of the devil. He put his image in every man and woman. And there are people who are living in captivity. And the thought that his image is subject to a created being. He created Lucifer. It's upside down. He told his image to subdue the earth. To, to take charge of the birds of the air and the sea. The, the fish of the sea and the animals on the land. And somehow his image has bowed down to his handiwork. It's bowed down to worshiping animals. To bow down worshiping nature. It's bowed down to be under servanthood of the devil. So this verse, when it talks, anytime it talks about man being set free, even he being be healed, the word is delivered. We've changed it, but it says when Jesus delivered him, when he, Jesus healed someone, it's basically saying Jesus delivered him of that illness. Whenever you're set free from any captivity, it's a deliverance. You're being set free from that. And I'm expecting that to hit close to this congregation here, the first service, the second, and the third. That we're going to give time for us to not just be free, but to be free indeed. Second Timothy is going to be our text. It said the Lord's bondservant, and look at the things that his bondservant, who, who, do we have any bondservants out there? We're the Lord's bondservant. It said the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged. Guess what? We're going to be wronged. With the gentleness Correcting those who are in opposition. There are going to be those who oppose us. If perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of truth. I'm going to stop right there. You know, some people want to be convinced of the truth. But what comes first here? 
You have to repent, which is the beginning. It's from that repentance that leads you to the truth. You know, people come into my office and they want to argue this, argue that. And I said, well, first of all, you're angry, you're mad, you've felt like there's injustice. Let's, let's just repent right now. Well, I've got nothing to repent from. What are my chances of leading them to the truth? About that much. When you find someone's not willing to repent, there's something really wrong. And there's a block right there. I'm pretty sure that I could come down there and say, remember how many times I tell you when Pastor Peter Horning comes here and we start driving around, and the first thing he does, he goes, you need to repent. Well, with Pastor Peter especially, you don't go, but wait, I'm, what am I repenting for? You just, you just repent. You know, I, I just give in. I trust him. I repent. Is that not, is that true? Pastor Peter Horn is true for Pastor Peter, right, when you ride with him? If you get in the car, it's, you might as well be on a kneeling stool. And it, you, know, you, just start, you just start repenting. And I don't know if, if he just, just does that, not knowing, but that is really the word of God. It says that you repent, and now we lead you to the truth. If they can't repent, there's a, there's a blockage right there. So we continue with that verse <clears throat> said if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil having been held captive by him wow and his will you know what being held captive, and you end up doing his will. That's anyone who could be saying they're walking in freedom, but they're not free indeed. I still want to get to the indeed part. <clears throat> the condition of the person who's in need. Well, the, the, the condition is that they've become a prisoner. And it's, it's, you can't tell me that many of us have not become prisoners in our own home or places of work. You don't have the freedom to do this or to say that. You're free unless this person at work shows up because they saw you do something the other day that was wrong. You're free in your home until this person comes home. There's, that, that's called a bondage. And in this verse, it says, you know what? Not only just is, are, are they doing the devil's, you're, you're trapped and doing the devil's will. It says that there is a snare that is made for you. For you. Not just there is a snare Everyone in here has a snare that has been made for you. I have my snare. Some of us have two or three snares out there. I have snares at my house because I catch fish. I have peach trees. I have a snare for squirrels. That's right. Those fuzzy little things that y'all love. 
I have a snare for those lovely things. You know, I had probably 100 peaches on my tree this year. And in two days, they're gone. They even took the pits with them. I have no idea where they went to. Where does a squirrel this big hide 200 peaches? Guess what I didn't set out? I didn't have my snare out to say, hello, you know. Every one of us have a snare set for you. Everyone. Now, it doesn't look like the devil, and it doesn't even look like a snare. It may look like a computer screen, and nobody's home. And when that snare gets your hand, you're caught. You're hooked. It could be a person in your life. It could be your friend. It could be a place that you go. It could be an attitude that you get. It could be a dress that you wear or a suit that you wear, a personality that you put on. It's a snare. But once you walk into it, it has you and you can't get free you're trapped and we come to church but you know what you know that the next time you're in that same environment it owns you it owns you and it's a secret you can even walk free you can even say you know what I'll never do this thing again this thing that so easily the Bible says easily ensnares you This thing that so easily gets you, you can even defeat it, you beat it, and guess what? You never do it again, but it still got you because you can't speak about it. As long as you can't talk about it, it has control over you because at any moment someone from your past can come up and tell someone else, and you're embarrassed. It it, it talks about in the last days that the enemy is, is at work with this stuff so much that the church is going to deny the power of the cross. How do you deny the power of the cross? Everyone thinks, you know, it's like having everyone fall in the spirit. Or Here's how you deny the power of the cross. Jesus, what's the cross? It's where Jesus broke the sins of man, right, and paid for the price. So the power of the cross is being able to testify what the cross did in your life. And you know what? That's the problem. Do you know how many people in the church, they'll screw up in this church, they get put back together, you know, they do something, they lose their job, they lose their business, they lose their family, and they get all put back together, and what's the first thing they do to celebrate? They go to another church where they don't know what the cross has done in their life. Just about every time. As soon as you found out you've, you've been healed of homosexuality, you've walked away from this, you've walked away from that, thank you, Jesus. Well, I don't want people to hold me to that stuff, so I'm going to go to another church where I'm just clean and a shiny new penny. That's denying the power of the cross. The power of the cross is, I screwed up, I did this, I did this, and at the foot of the cross I gave it, and now what held me captive has become a captive of mine to set others free. That's the power of the cross. I want to talk to every one of you who have a secret. It has you. 
Let's capture it today. Let's stop looking over our shoulder. Plus, if you're looking over your shoulder, you can't look out for the snares. We'll go over the point, but I'm running shy in time. I'm just, while I'm on this thread, we're going to see that you need to confess. Confess it to someone. You confess it to the Lord, that's fine. But you know what? Everyone, I know in my family, they need, we need to know each other's snare. We need, need to know that we can't use words like that speaking to this person because they'll be so crushed. And this person, we have to go this way, you know, make it. It's, the more people who know what your snare is, you need to discover your snare. Not be ashamed of it. What ensnares you? What ensnares you? Crystal was sharing me the book she was reading. She goes, it makes so much sense. One of the, the tricky things, you, you know, when someone says, do you love to, you know, oh, I love prayer. You know, you know come on. There's so many other things I kind of want to do right now. Is that every morning I get up and I pray for Crystal. There's some mornings like, like I go downstairs and I forgot to pray for Crystal and the family. So I, I don't want to go upstairs. But I go upstairs and I pray for her. And you know what? The enemy would try to tell you, your mind would try to tell you, you don't love prayer. No, that's not what love and hate meant in the Bible. When it says, do you love something, it means things that you do. Not that you like to do them. Not that your flesh wants to do them, but you do them. So it says, I love prayer. Why? I do it. I hate this over here, but my flesh loves it. How can I really say I hate it? Do you do it? No, then you hate it. What you abstain from, you hate. What you do, you love. It has nothing to do with your emotions. Does that set you free? It does. It sets me free. I can honestly say I love prayer because I do it. I can honestly say, I hate anything that you see on this or see on that movie or see on that movie. Why? Because I don't do it. My flesh might want to, but I don't, so I can honestly say I hate it. You're free. I just, you've just been set free today. But you need to let no people what your snare is. A couple of years ago, the family goes, we always go to the fair out in Sanford or Volusia County. Rory, he sees the bull riding thing. He goes, come on, let's do it. He got a special deal. He even went to the bull riding guy and got a special deal for the whole family. I go to the fair. I even went, I go, we rode this road ride so long, Kale got sick. I'm right there. Let's go again. No, he was, he was done. He was like my son. My, Jared doesn't like rides. So Rory goes, I got a deal. All the guys can get on the bull riding thing, and you get clocked. So Roy wrote it. I was bull riding. I ride everything. My family knows rides are a snare for me. I got to do it, and I got to do it better than anybody else. You see, that snare was right there. If I was in my senses, 
I would remember that in my lifetime, I've had over 140 stitches, broken both ankles, one of them twice, broke many bones. I've had plastic surgery to put my nose back up on my skull. I had a severed, mostly football crap, but um, just wow. It's a snare. Now, my family really loved me. They would have said, no. <laughs> I got on it, and I only had to ride it longer than Rory, which I think I did. But when it threw me, I broke a couple of ribs. Immediately, guess what I remember? I'm 60 years old. <laughs> this is a snare. <laughs> And I'm going to remember that snare for the next two weeks every time I take a deep breath. I am now again, about, what, seven years ago, I fell off something doing with the guys, and I broke four ribs off my backbone. Right there at the back. But the doctor goes, you're lucky. I'm like, doesn't feel like it. Because <laughs> you didn't break your back. I broke something. <laughs> I was only in my 50s then. So <clears throat> you see what's good about having those around you know your snare? What so easily entangles you and they go, wait, you don't need to go there. You don't need to be watching that. You don't need to be spending that time with those guys. That's a snare. Oh, my goodness. Let me get through these quickly because the end of it. So as a, a believer, here's how... We restore. It says, you're not quarrelsome. We're not arguing anyone out of anything. We've been doing a study in, in my 12 group. But, you know, even in 2 Thessalonians, Paul, Paul goes, hey, go, look, there's a whole group of you who have been saying this, that the return, Jesus has already returned. Just pay no attention to them. Just go around them and keep about your business. Don't be quarrelsome. Just, what does it matter? Go around it and be about your business. Be about what you're called to do. It says that when we do this, to be kind. We need to be able to teach. That's why we have in, you know, Northwest U. To learn how to carry ourselves. To learn these things about the Bible, about our money. Said so to be able to teach, patient when wrong. People are going to wrong us, but... And highlighted, correcting those in opposition with gentleness. We just are not going to fold. But you correct them in gentleness. Well, now we'll click it again here. Here's the real crux of the message here. It's preparing. Preparing them, pre preparing ourselves. In verse 25, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of truth, and then they may come to their senses to escape. So we need to recognize the problem and come to repentance. You need someone to recognize their problem. If they don't know what the problem is, if they don't know it's this that got them to that, they're going to fall into this again and end up with that. You need to recognize it's this person, it's that thing, it's that habit, it's that movie, it's that attitude, it's this job 
Some of you might need to change your job. Some of you might need to change who you're dating, who your best friend is. You need to recognize the problem and repent. And then say, here's the problem. I'm re- you're right, it is a problem. I'm willing to repent. And now, now good sense comes to me. To think that you're going to argue someone out of a position, you're wrong. Here's the problem. I see that. Are you ready to repent? No. You can't fix the problem. Repent is to, to go the other way. See, repentance is just getting forgiveness. No, repentance is you, I'm not going this way anymore. I'm going another way. I recognize a problem, and I'm willing to repent. There are a lot of people who recognize a problem who will not change. They're not going to get a difference. There are relationships I am not going to change the way I talk to my wife. I am not going to change the way I accuse my husband. I am not going to change that. Because you know it gets a reaction out of them. You need to repent and stop doing it once you recognize it. And that is what leads us to knowledge of the truth. You're not going to get the truth until you bow in your heart. You can't have that truth. You, you, you can't see the truth until you make room for the truth. So, Proverbs 28, 13, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. You're not free. You're not free to do what needs to be done. You're not free to tell that person you love them. You're not free to go and do this. You're not free to go and be that person. You're not free. You've concealed. But the one who confesses and renounces them find them, they find mercy. The church, too many times, is held captive because they've not confessed. They've made it a secret. And you become captive. He who confesses, you're free to prosper in relationship. And because we're going to come across something. Uh, how did God create the world, the universe? How, he spoke it? Whoa. How did Jesus kill a fig tree? He spoke it. God considers, whose image are we made in? God considers words as holy. That's why he has an angel. He has angels, according to Malachi, that follow us and write down everything that we say about him. That gets read when we appear in front of him. Wait a minute. How holy, you know, he's... He doesn't have, send an angel and goes, go down there and write down everything he's doing. Or everything he's feeling. He says, go down there and write and record everything. Every time they testify of me or my son, record it. Because he considers words holy. You have something that attacks you. You have unforgiveness. You have something you're hiding from. And we make vows. 
How many times have we said we think we're going to get caught and we're going, oh, Lord, if this is, you know, I'll never do this again if I just don't get caught. Ladies, I'll never eat chocolate again. <laughs> My wife is a chocoholic. I keep telling her, going, you better stop that. God, those words are holy. She renounces it. <laughs> Starts eating again. <laughs> We've made things in a moment of hurt that we need to renounce today. We need to repent. I'll never trust again. I'll never love again. I'll never give again. I'll never do this again. I'll never work that hard for any man again. I'll never. And you've made a lid for your life. Oh, I'm just, if anyone's going to get sick, it's going to be me. It's yours. You need to repent. That's a problem. That's the problem. Repent of the problem, and then his truth comes to you. His freedom comes. And I, so you recognize the problem, you release forgiveness, you have to forgive the person. So you forgive your so and so, whoever was in your past, of the injustice they did you, right? You wake up this morning after having a dream and you dreamt that they did that to you and you are all angry and unforgiving again. Guess what? That's the, don't say, oh, I'm angry again. You know, don't say that, that, oh, that prayer didn't work. You got angry all over again. You need to forgive them again. That's a new unforgiveness. It's not an old one. That, the, that forgiveness worked back there you had a bad dream or a bad experience. So don't say God's power, God's mercy wasn't good there. It was. You just got angry again over the same thing. It says God's mercies are new every day. So every day grab his mercy so you can apply to a forgiveness that you have to forgive again. It's just like, I mean, how many times, you, you, everyone in here knows, you know, I've dealt with that and I thought I dealt with it. Well, you did. But there's something that happened that makes you feel that way again, and so you got angry again. You've got rejected again. And it's horrible that one thing happened years ago, and you keep getting new rejections from one action. You get forgiveness. We know we release vows as we talked about it, which says, come to their senses and escape. Let's come to our senses and escape that vow. That unforgiveness. But it starts with repentance. But you don't know what they did to me. <laughs> you need to repent. You know what the snare is. There needs to be a confession. Everybody can have this work happen in you in these seats. But what I would like to see today, there's, there's uh, uh, I know Aslan... Aslan has my daughter, my youngest. She has gifting that I think um, kind of lines up with mine. And that is demons don't like us. They just don't. Peter is very insightful. 
Um, very, very prophetic, as many of you are in here. But I want to give an opportunity to those who you know you're going to leave today and you're not going to confess. You're not going to repent. You're not going to be held accountable. And you stay ensnared. You stay looking. Oh, I'm free right now. But you know you're looking behind you. You may not be in a small group. I, I release the small groups to push this issue in a smaller setting. But just for, the, for, for those people who've got something that's a secret and it's held you captive or puts fear in you whenever it shows up, it's time for you to turn around, let us put it in a cage and make it captive to us. And so we're going, you know what? I screwed up. I hid this. But because of the power of the cross, I'm set free and you can too. Starts with repentance. Are you willing enough to say, you know, I've, I've screwed up and I'm going to go the other way? For those people who just would like that prayer, I, could I just have, you know, David and Aslan and Peter uh, just have, you just come spread out right here. Thank you. This way. Thank you. I know that many of you are free. And many of us who are dealing with it, we need to deal with this in a small group. But once again, that person who's in here, and you know, today's that day I want to confront this. Today's that day I want to be free indeed. I'm going to forget about it if I leave. I'm going to fall in fear of it. When we stand and I start praying, if, if that's you, come down to one of these people. Allow them to speak to you. Tell them what is ensnared. And repent to the Lord in front of them. Let them reassure you, you're free. You're free indeed. And if you're feeling... Like the enemy is going to take, just, just it all crashes in at the end of the day, call. You know, try to go to somebody that you, you know you can get a call to. In fact, all these people will be at my house on the slide today eating curry. So we'll all be available. <laughs> so let's stand. Let's thank the Lord. And like I said, as I'm praying, do not leave here with chains around your ankle, looking over your back. It doesn't matter if this is the first time you are here. Is she coming up? <laughs> Hallelujah. But don't allow the enemy to keep you where you are. So let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for the cross, for what your son has done for us, that we're just not asking to let us get by with something. We want to be free indeed. We want to apply the blood of the risen Christ to our sin, to our shame, to our secret. That we speak it out and we turn and take it captive and apply it 
to this church will walk in the power of the cross. That we are fallen. But you said you don't hold it against any of us. You don't hold our transgressions against us. Lord, the words that we've spoke, the vows that we've made, please forgive us. For those things that we've said that we won't love, we won't do this, we won't go there, we won't be this, we won't ever. Lord, those words were holy and we weren't aware. Forgive us. Take the lid off our life. Take the lid off our life. Father, release those that are under bondage right now, that are under bondage. Let those who are in bondage, they want to come and they can't. Release them, Father. This is their time. Not to be haunted. That voice that speaks in the middle of the night that condemns you, quiet that voice. Quiet that voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Can you say that with me? Say, whom the Son sets free is free. Okay, now let's put a little emphasis on that indeed part. Just think, you're free. He whom the Son sets free is free. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a great hand. Thank you, Lord. Woo! Have a great Labor Day. We turn our hearts and fix our eyes.